Good it's afternoon. All going now it's all going. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. So I'm here now with Cam, and today we've got someone special. Very special. He's been special. That's why I kept him for quite a while. <laughs> and that is Stephen Thompson. How Hello are you doing, boys. mate? Great. How are you going? Great to have you. It's okay. Great to be on. Let's have a look. You brought your bottle, man. Yep, I did. Yeah. What is it? Let's have a look at his bottle first. Let's dig into yours. What you is do it? The honors, mate. Yep. So, so that is less than fifty bucks. Yep, less than fifty bucks. It's okay, a, but that's more than forty-nine. No, who, who spends forty-nine on a bottle well, of wine? What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> well, listen, if it's not good, you're never invited back. You need to understand that. Oh, good lucky. It was under five. Was okay. I picked the worst spot. <laughs> no, I didn't really. It's Mate, you've just spent five minutes telling me how much your office loves Cristinola and hates me. So Chris, this Chris, better be a good wine. Chris who? Otherwise Chris we're going to have a right. problem. Yeah. Chris who? Yeah, we're going to have a problem. Hello, hello girls at the Penrith office. You're stuck with me. I hope you enjoy. <laughs> and it's not Penrith, it was Richmond and Penrith. Oh, well, who, uh, that's combined. The Cristinola Fan Club. The like. Fan Club. Plus, you scared them all anyway after the judging competition the other day. They're going, oh, I'm glad we don't work at Carry On. Steel sharp and steel, mate. Steel sharp and steel. Anyway, this bottle's a pepper tree estate-grown Pinot Gris. It's from Rattenbully in South Australia. Yeah. But it's actually produced by pepper tree wines in Pecolban. So, so, so they're they, getting the they wine. They imported it from down there up yeah. to Pecolban. So 2017. Yeah. I like that house. It's a nice house up the, the Hunter Valley. Pepper tree's nice here. Now, is it true that all your bottles overflow, your, your glasses overflow? No, mate. Um, no, no, no. no and, and then Thomas says he just drinks water because he's got to dry. That is correct, too. <laughs> oh, we're off to a flyer. It's going to be trouble. Oh, well, boys, how's, how's it been going uh, since the competition? Cheers, mate. Cheers. 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 So competition last week. How did you find it? It took me a week to recover. I'm starting to get back there. <laughs> oh, nice. That is nice. Wow. Ooh. Oh, really? First up, nice wine. 2017 Pinot Gris, not bad. I don't think we've had a Pinot Gris on here yet. No. Good choice. Thank you. Yeah. Not many people dare coming with anything else but Chardonnay. So it's oh, really? <laughs> That'd be my last <laughs> choice. <laughs> Actually, we had a good Semillon. You remember yeah, I had that Semillon? Yeah, had that a was of really Sam's. nice yeah. too, yeah. I nearly went a few different ways today. We'll get to mine in a bit. I got scared at the end and went with the old faithful Chardonnay, but... Oh, come on, man. We have to test and try. Yeah, we do. We have to get outside our comfort zone like those people at the sales competition. Oh, exactly. The 14 heroes in the group. Yep. And that's all you hear, really, people talking about it. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's in the office or outside the office or other leaders. It's, you know, those people who had the guts to stand up and, and do what they did. It was crazy what they went through. I said to my team, they haven't believed me, but I don't think I would have done it. I told my team, we had a lunch, there were 15 of us and, and Marietta was there and I said to Marietta, I'll, I'll be honest, you've got balls that I didn't have because I didn't have the balls to go in that competition. I don't think it's just the balls, it's also the sacrifices because mm -hmm. these people here knew the competition was on before Christmas. Mm. Imagine their Christmas holiday, mate. Yeah. I actually visited Spitaleri's place and I saw young Giampiero and he was asking me stuff. He was training during the Christmas break. And so there's an enormous amount of sacrifice. People don't realise when they're standing there, yes, they're nervous because there's a lot of people watching them. Yes, they're nervous because, you know, there's an opportunity to earn a good check here. But they're also nervous because what if the six to seven weeks mm. leading to that went to waste? And so I think that that got them quite nervous. Yeah, the anxiety was real. I, obviously, I saw it in my office with a few of my guys being in the competition. And from the time that we entered the competition, 
the anxiety was there. It got real bad the last week or so, but... Yeah, in what yeah, way? I've, what happened? Oh, nothing. When I say bad... You took time off? <laughs> the anxiety, just the nervousness about it. And, you know, obviously being married to one of the contestants, I had a bit of a, more of an insight. How is that for you and Darren? <laughs> Mate, I'm still... You, you said you didn't have the balls. I'm still waiting <laughs> for them to come. When, when did you get the balls? My wife is anxious on the best of occasions anyway, so yeah. for her... Uh, yeah, it was there. Bad was the wrong word. You could just see it. And I made I felt from I felt from the whole time because as I said, I don't think I would have done it. I mean, Crystal's adamant that I would have because my ego would have got the better of me. But oh, mate. But the proof is you didn't though. I mean, like me, if it was going to get the better of you, it would have got before it closed, and you would have been up there last week. Yeah, no. Well, I don't. Uh, well, you just I don't know if there's any Crystal. No, it's not that. I would have crushed and destroyed it. But the benefit. As a business owner, it was there for me not to do it. It wasn't there for me to do. And to put my guys in a position that they've never been put in before and they may never be put in again, they will, they're going to be hard to make anyone feel as uncomfortable as those guys felt on that day. And, you know, what situation can't they handle now? Exactly, yeah. and, and you can see and the change. I mean, Not only in a real estate sense, I mean, in a in life any, sense. Like, well, well as oh. even Marietta has realised that part of her fear is, is more in the, the public speaking side, so right. she's gone off to join Toastmasters just to give her that. And she said, you know, I've always wanted to do it. When I first yeah. heard about it, I wanted to do it, but I now have that opportunity to go and do something to improve public speaking. Mm. And we always talk about, you know, we create our own children. She said... Her kids are now talking about, Mum, if you were game enough to go up and do this, then maybe we should do this. Yeah, that's an amazing so thing. So it's, it's not changing just her life by doing it. It's changing the families. And you can see the people up there, the things that they had to go through yeah. just to get there, let alone on the day. If their life doesn't change, there's got to be something wrong. Yeah, I'm still not sure Jake's forgiven me yet, but he will at some point. Oh, yes. who needs forgiving? It's all right. Uh, Why, what, what happened with Jake? Oh, he just, he was, of everyone, he was probably the least experienced and the most nervous of, of anyone because he, he doesn't, he's never dealt with a buyer at an open home and he's never been in a lot of the situations. And when he saw who he was up against, I got a text message as I was walking into the club, <laughs> you've stitched me up here. <laughs> and when I walked in, he's, he was a bit pale, the big fella, but he was the only benchy that got up there and gave it a crack, mate. And and, and I think he gave it a good crack Oh, no, actually, Jampieri is a benchy, mate. Oh, he's been... <laughs> well, but I, did, I so, didn't yeah. realise that... Like, watching him, I didn't put him down and say, well, he was the most inexperienced guy up there. I mean, he, he could hold his own and I wouldn't know he hadn't dealt with buyers. But this, this is the quality of what we have, right? So, so I'd, if, if I could really shock you guys, the winner, well, she's not a full set. So, hold on, I was listening to her phone. It wasn't your no, phone. my phone, mate. Okay, that's Steven. all. Steven. Maybe in Stephen's <laughs> yeah, no, phone. We Steven. haven't had that yet. We <laughs> haven't <laughs> had a phone go off. In a Stephen hasn't had a mobile phone that makes a sound for about no, so eight years. So you don't have to worry. It'll ever be him. So I want to tell you, boys, that the, the winner is not a full-fledged salesperson. So this is how high the bar has been raised, that our salespeople, they can't sit down and rest on their laurels because we have young up-and-coming people who are so hungry and would do anything just to get their skill to that level. That's crazy. And who see no fear. That, that's the best thing I like is that, that you look at the younger people. They just stood up there. All right, there was nerves. I understand all that. But they just stood up there and did what they had to do. Yeah. You know, so it's like you say, I think that next generation that's coming up in sales are going to think nothing. They apply for a job at 18. It's like, so will I be listing next week? Yeah. Do you think there's more people in the room glad they didn't do it or wish they had? Oh, I would probably go that there was probably more glad in the room they didn't do it. 
There I, was I, a lot, a lot of remorse in the room. I think as well, but yeah. I think majority the, the people who didn't do it and who sat there as an audience were happy. I think to be there in the <laughs> audience, especially when Cam Mark Two came after morning tea. You know, that it certainly like you know scared them a bit. But no, I think there was a lot who realised that that's they were happy that people were up there and you know let it go. Why do you think different? You think no. that there was a lot in the room that regretted not going? I didn't have a feel for the room at all. I was having enough troubles sitting where I was sitting, mate. I was. Oh, well, I'd, I'd take it off the judges, really, like sitting there. I don't know whose seat was hotter sometimes, the judges or the contestants. I had my watch on, got to 168 beats per minute, my heart rate at one stage. Oh, really? Yeah, it was odd. Is that when you're being nice or when you no, started it wasn't. It was director? My, the whole thing was real tough. From the moment we got the questions and I realised that we hadn't trained on some of it to the look on the guys' faces when the first questions got read out and 14 people realised that they probably hadn't trained on some of it to having three of my team members in the actual competition and one of those being my wife. Like, I had a not as tough a day as them, but I was ready for bed by the end of it, mate. Yeah. It, it, I felt every every single bit of it. And then trying to score it, I mean, man, it was not fun. Yeah. Oh, well, that like, was educational. I think the I, judges I, did a great job, though. Yeah, I mean, you've been a judge before. I've never been to one of the competitions before. Oh, really? It, was, it must have just finished in Synergy when I joined. Right, I so see. So I've I never see. actually been to one. So I'd heard them talking about it, but never actually mm. um, oh, been to one. I thought you'd done so it before. No. Oh, I see. But <coughs> it was good to watch. And it's funny you talk about being tired when you go home. Do you know being in the audience was just as tiring? Because you were sitting on the edge of your seat, basically feeling what each contestant was feeling and you know at the same time I'm looking at the crowd and you've got the crowd that are there to support and you've got the experts who would never have the guts to get up who were sort of sitting there going oh that was wrong I mean who'd do that and and then you had the people that are there going yes you can do this come on no and they and you know they're nearly wanting to whisper the next answer for them but it was such a camaraderie in the room to have that you yeah. know I'm glad I didn't get to see any of that people's telling people they were wrong or, or judging them up there because that would have done my head in these people are up there giving it their absolute best and doing something that you didn't have the balls to do yourself and you you can sit there and, and especially for vocalizing it if i'd have caught any of that mate that would rub me right up the wrong way it's human nature i get it but you know what sort of humans are we trying to be the the bits i did catch were mostly when when the applause came i mean at one stage dazza got applauded for just doing the objection handling skeleton correct and, and small moments like that that I picked out I thought were brilliant and they heard that on stage. But I think if um, there were people that were sitting there judging and, and critiquing in the negative, I think they need to have a good hard look at themselves if any of them are listening to this because that's rubbish. Yep, fair enough. Yeah, well, that's fair. The judges really were stressed because the things were happening live and they had five, six scorings to do every single time. So when a person finished, they still were scoring. Yeah, it was hard work. And I think there was a lot of work. Plus... I tried to slow it down. I asked the guys if we could have a minute break in between each contestant because you need to listen to everything that the people are doing yeah. and judge them accordingly. And, and some of the times I'd looked up from a score sheet and we were halfway through someone else's yeah crazy intensity in that room, mate. I think the other thing I also wanted to address is the questions in the first session. Like I know you said it was a bit difficult, but really none of those questions were outside the manual. No, 100%. We have the basics. And I think that this is what people need to understand. You can't just go through the manual and think that because you've done the speeches, you know the manual. The manual has got all of those words around the speeches for a reason. Is that So if you can master all of those things, then yes, I think that you have a great career in sales. If you, if you don't, well, outside those speeches, what are you going to do? 
I think that when someone stands in front of people and doesn't know more than five ways of prospecting, what is he going to be doing? He's going to be phone prospecting or door knocking for the rest of his life. Mm. When someone stands at the front and may know all the keys of negotiation but doesn't even understand how is the key of power being used and how do you play it, mm. then chances are they're not going to be doing that out there. You know, yeah. you have to really dissect, take the manual. And I think that whoever's done that, win or lose, those 14 would have gone to the next level. Yeah, yeah I mean, they've already gone to another, another level, but we did a, our first training session this week was a review of that competition and where we need to improve and what things were missing. And the basics was mentioned because obviously we all copped a shock when those questions were coming out. And well, I explained to the guys and they all 100% agreed that having that knowledge, even though it's not practical in a speech sense... Yes, it's not a speech, but having that knowledge behind you helps all those speeches come along anyway. And, and knowledge is power on when we're talking to people. So it's something we're going to focus on more now. We've agreed to study certain pages of the manual each week and have, have exams on yeah. it. And that was them coming up with that. I just stood at the front and wrote How on the whiteboard. How that? Apart from all the great things I would have got out of the sales comp and the experience that the ones who went in it went, now they're <laughs> saying, hey, can we change our training to include this, this and this? Like, imagine the power that that's now got. Oh, mate, that's why I was. I had a fair bit to say on one of our podcasts previous about people who weren't entering the competition or, or leaders who weren't getting behind it because there was only upside. There was no downside to it happening. Now, my guys, even though, you know, Darren won $1,000 and Crystal won 500 they spent the weekend lamenting the things they didn't know and the lines they didn't use and the... I should have said this and I could have said that. And that's they've brought that straight into the office, said we need to train on this, this, this and this because we want to be better. Because they felt they had to feel that. They were the ones standing up in front of 100 people missing stuff. And the winning is a, is a powerful thing, but I think in having that experience to say I never want to feel like that again or I never want to get asked that question again and not know the answer is just as powerful in, in the opposite way. So. And it sounds like it's been a pretty common consensus. The officers that have had those 14 people their training had to step up a leg this week because they've all come back and said, this is what we expect now, this is what we need, let's make it happen. Yeah, I heard some of leaders who were telling me that their staff are actually pushing their training, that their staff was actually not happy with the level of training. So that's a plus, that's a win. There's only upside. And I think that, you know, the people who were not in the room were the first losers. Oh, yeah. I reckon sometimes I see people going to extreme lengths just to attend a seminar on sales. They come back and they've learned two lines. I'm sorry, but there were hundreds of good lines in that, in, in just that one single day, because you have 14 people who have to dig deep just to find something that nobody else has heard before. And sometimes, yeah, we've heard them before. Sometimes we heard things that people were saying, hey, I've heard it before, but I didn't use. But then sometimes you heard things that still made my wife laugh today because Vernick's still laughing about the Netflix when she heard about the Netflix <laughs> and 25 minutes to find the movie. She still remembered that. And, and, and those are the good closes because they're coming from people who spend six, seven weeks thinking about the lines. Does it develop that off your off the manual where it said the video store, but the video yeah. store is not relevant anymore? So that was training the day before he brought that up and said, "Well, there's no videos anymore, but what about Netflix?" So and, and is a Veronique imagining Thomas sitting there with the remote for 25 minutes? I don't actually. It's her doing movie. it. I heard it does it. Yeah, <laughs> Kim tried to say it didn't take 25 minutes for her to find a show. I'm here to call Kim out and say bullshit, Kim. Well, yeah, who flicks? Who knows exactly what they're looking at on Netflix? It's rubbish. <laughs> 
Yeah, we've got to check is Kim allowed to have that remote? Really? I mean, she's got two kids and a husband and, you know, maybe, maybe they've got the remote and she's hoping one day she'll be allowed to have it and find out what it's like yeah. to use. <clears throat> what about the leaders who were not there? I mean, we understand about the teams not being there, meaning they, they stuffed up, they didn't have the opportunity to learn those 1,000 lines. But I think that the leaders... First of all, the leaders who had a competitor there should have been there. So, so there were actually, I know you said that. I, I was I, trying to look in the room and see. So there were leaders, there were competitors that had no leader there. Yeah. That's disgraceful. Or they had one of their leaders, you know. And, and I think that when you have someone going outside and going beyond their comfort zone, you have to be there. How many parents take a day off so that they can attend their children's biggest moment? When you have a guy who's about to go through the biggest moment of his life and he almost won if he ended up in the top four and you're not there? Are you serious? That's bad. you got a problem. But, but I think the leaders who didn't go, who just didn't go, whether they had someone or not, I think they lost what it's all about. It's being in a group. You're in a group. You're in a family for that's a correct, reason. Yeah. If I didn't have a competitor there, we still would have had the same 15 people there. It wouldn't have made a difference because that's what you're doing for the group. And you're still there for other people. I mean, there's people where... You know, even Lisa, I went to recruit training with him. He was there and, and they were there. Like, And others have said the same thing that, oh, you know, they were in my recruit training class. You've still got that camaraderie that for the group. Mm-hmm. So for a leader not to be there, it basically said, it's not worth my time. I shouldn't have any of my team there either. That That's the sad part. Yeah. Listen, mate, we're not camels here. You're going to have to understand Yeah, you've got to um, feed us, mate. Yeah, it's one thing to just, it's your bottle, you do something oh. with it. Yeah. Okay, so the rules weren't given to me there, but that's but, okay. Yeah, but <laughs> you also have to finish yours, otherwise it's unfair. Yeah. No, 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 stop, stop, stop. stop. <laughs> I've got to fill yours up because, you know, like, isn't it every time I've, I've head from your direction that I run into an RVT unit, so... <laughs> no, that's, no, 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 not the days that we do wine and oh, wisdom. Oh, okay, wine and wisdom. They know to stay away. It's not out today. Yeah, Actually, uh, while we're talking about this, and while you're finishing your thing and then uh, and then fill it up, some people have been talking about maybe we should be releasing the bottles that we're drinking a week before or two weeks before so that they have the opportunity to go out and buy and then drink them with us. But I'm not so sure because, you know, if you look at the, the podcast, you can see the wine, freaking go out and get it. If you can't. Skip it this week, get the bottle when you're ready, you know? Yeah, I thought it was a good idea and then I discussed the idea with my significant other and her point was just go and buy the one before you listen to the podcast if that's what you want to do. But some people, I understand because Kristen Ola is such a great guy that they can't wait and have to listen to the podcast on the spot. Hey, hey he's jealous, mate. He's, oh, mate. he's a nice guy, right? So He's a legend, the big fella. What, but what I don't the, need his fan club. Come on. And it's like, you know, I feel like I had such big shoes to fill, but after what you told me about Chris, it's like anyone could turn up now. So the only okay. thing that's big on him is his waistline, mate. There you go. Anyway, I couldn't have put my bottle up two weeks earlier because when I got a phone call yesterday saying, what are you doing tomorrow afternoon? Uh, I need you down here. I, I, I didn't me. say I need you down here. I would like <laughs> would to Would you like here. me to come down? Mm. Then, yeah, I to see how, the how leaders who exaggerate things like this, what the hell you reckon happens Prone to their team? To we're talking that about is that is totally ingratitude. <laughs> we talk, we're teaching people about gratitude, but that's ungrateful, right? You can't get away with any bullshit, here, Stephen. No, man, this is this I already warned it wasn't beer and bullshit, so it's all got to be the truth. <laughs> well, beer and bullshit is coming. It's an idea I'm developing. But I think I drink too much. So <laughs> we gotta. No, I was talking to uh, to another leader, and I said, not only you're not there. 
which I think it was out of laziness. He didn't want to be there because that was a day wasted. And he didn't get his team there. And that's when I said to him, that's the leadership fuck up. And that's a big one. Because as a leader, we are constantly looking for opportunity to get our team to think the next level. I tell my daughters all the time, life, success, anything, sports, school, it's all about 20% skill, 80% attitude. When you get someone to go out there and listen to people, yes, you may learn the lines, that's 20%. But when you see people who are three months in the business getting into the top 10, when you see people who have attended the recruit training four months ago or three months ago and who are now in the top four and who end up winning, suddenly there is something inside you that gets inspired. That's why we love heroes. We love heroes because they inspire us to the next level. And so a leader who does not understand that, I don't think he's a leader. That is not someone who understands inspiration, right? So as a leader, we have to seek every single opportunity to get our team to go to the next level. And we have to keep them away from anything that just keeps them on the norm, not going out of their comfort zone. That is our job as a leader. It's not about I tell you to do something, you do it. No, it's about you finding those nuggets of gold where your team can really spring forward from there. You know, and, and I think not getting a team there or not even understanding that, it's an impediment to leadership. And I feel for the team who are being led by a leader like that. I know he didn't go. You know that. I was, as of... I as, didn't talk about you, man. As late as... I was talking about Wednesday some Cameron Wilson. Yeah, no, that's all right. As late as Wednesday night, I wasn't going. Now, my reasons for not going, I thought, were valid. And, yeah. You might as well share if they're valid, what were oh, they? Oh, I had no staff. So I had one kid who's been with us for three months and is on a written warning to hold two businesses open. I had no one to take my kids to school in the morning because my wife was in the competition and my mother, who's 174 years old, is struggling a bit at the moment moment and yeah, I had four interviews booked in and I had listing appointments booked in and I'd spent the best part of a month and a half or two months training the guys and getting into work early with them to get them ready for that and the last thing I wanted in the world was to not be there with them and having seen what they went through like thank god I was there but at no point was I thinking me not being there as anything other than like I wasn't happy about it no I, wasn't, I, I understand I, I understand it but look at it this way what about one of those sales guy who just had a baby, who for the last six weeks, because he had a baby just about two or three months ago. Hasn't slept, yeah. yeah. For the last few weeks, has not slept. For the last few weeks, really, do you really think he wanted to put that time into those books and manuals? So what about you sending out a message to say, you know what, I feel for you, and this is what I also do. I think that, you know, when, when you stop and you look at just, this is the one day when I have these sacrifices. This guy has gone through seven weeks of sacrifices. Mm. So I think, man, you had no excuse, right? Yeah, that's so right. thank God you turned up because you wouldn't be talking right. Yeah. But for someone who always tries to find a good way out of something, I closed my Penrith office that day because yeah. everyone who was available to work there wanted to be down supporting Marietta. Brow was closed, mate. So we closed it. Yeah, and I if you, the worst thing is your kids didn't make it to school and they got to come and watch their mum, a hero, standing up in front of the crowd, that would have been the best thing. I think that, if there was a mistake, that was who, a mistake. Who you fucking made. invited him to this podcast? I'm sorry, mate. That, that, that's why he's going to come Bring back. Bring back Denola. No, he can only put four words together. <laughs> <laughs> and mostly it's you've what got a, a big freak. fat head. You can't say shit like this, man. Yeah, but I didn't... Look... 
Yes, you you miss an opportunity to inspire your yeah, kids. Absolutely, okay, that's fine. But it was not out of out of stupidity. It was out of stupid. It was out of not thinking. It was out of I didn't have a solution to the problem we had. And look, I don't want to go into it, but my mother fucking does enough for us. So that was a huge. Yeah, but then don't thing. go into it. I mean, why do you say I don't want to go into it? No, no, but, just explain. But all I'm doing is making ah, excuses. My is, thought yeah. process was governed by yeah. we can't close the offices, and it's your mother's fault. It's my mother's fault. Yeah. What? For being too old and not and not being apt <laughs> to take the kids to school properly. No, I don't think he quite said that. I don't no, I'm, ju- I'm just trying to understand up. because he's gonna. I'm trying to cut the story short, man. She's not well, mate. I understand that. So right. she didn't have to depend on her, mate. Well, I didn't because I didn't think it takes. Should have the kids. Uber. No, I should have brought the kids. No, that's right. That would have been great. Mom, mom, Indy, shut up. That would maybe that would have helped him I to need let to go, go to the toilet. That may Mom. have helped him let go of the rope next time that he's swimming. No, that's Indy, not Isaac. No, I'm talking to him. I'm talking to him. <laughs> Isaac would have been. You said the f word again. <laughs> so let's let's have a look now. Uh, let's go beyond that now, guys, and let's have a look at some of the leadership issue here. What's going on? Why is it that in a small business most leaders are reverting quite often, and especially under stress, to just making the people work? Work their bum off and think that working their bum off without increasing or improving their skills is going to make a difference. Like I'm, I'm sure. For example, one of the leaders he didn't take his five salespeople there because, well, you know, that's one day's work. Okay, but that's one day's work of them not improving. Let's imagine they come back with a listing. I'm not sure it's going to sell, but let's say that they come back with one. What about them coming back with more? I had a call from Sam two days after, and he is still jumping up and down. He said, "Thomas, I got two listing out of this already. I've just used two of the lines." The guy's he's jumping out of his skin because he he thinks that of all the years he's been in real estate, just the few lines that he's learned and the few tips he got just took him to the next level. But he little did he know. It was the inspiration that he saw, seeing people who had the guts to go out there and do that. And he said, "Man, that little Jampiero, I can't believe him, right? Because he he's known Jampiero since he, he was a, a child, and now this this kid is standing out there, not trembling, any question. He just came back with an answer, and Sam just still couldn't believe it. Two days after the competition, and that to me, man, you can't buy it." There's a huge lack of foresight, and we talked about that when no one was entering the competition, the lack of foresight and the lack of being able to see what this thing potentially could bring. Like We'd been drinking at Scarborough when yep. you brought up the idea, and after even after a few bottles of wine, it was a no-brainer that this was going to be good for the business and good for the network, so get behind it. But can lead a horse to water and all that stuff. So yes, there's a lack of foresight, but did we not do a good enough job of selling it? People. I think the people who were there did the selling. It's the ones who weren't there. So how no, but you, to get more people there and more people involved, there were people there that had none of their team. That's what I mean, though. But there were so people there who had a team, team who didn't. But then there's, like you say, people with five team who didn't come. So, so why was it a good idea to have your team there, but not a good idea to have someone in the actual co- or people in the competition? I think we we spoke about that already. Uh, there's a lot of vanity. I know that uh, quite a few teams came up to me, the managers, and actually said that you know the teams are now ready to do it next year, or the, it, there was one next year. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm the one writing the questions. What if I just change the entire format? You know, you coming to this competition to see the format so that you could be ready for next year? That that it was silly. In life, the entire thing to win that two thousand dollar check that was all about going to a place you don't know and do something about it. It's like if you went to a listing presentation, do you think you know in advance what kind of owners you're going to meet? 
what style of house they live in. You th- you've got no idea. You go in the dark. And the competition had to try to simulate as much as we could the, the darkness of a really single appointment. The stress that you get when you g- knock on the door and you're going, I hope they're going to be nice people. Yeah, a lot of people had a go at me about the way I went in the objection handling, but there's a few points to that. One, there was 10 people there and four of them were going to make money and we had to separate the people. So had to put people under as much pressure as possible and see if anyone was going to crack. Because the scores, after two rounds, I had six people on the same score. So try and separate. Someone else said to me, well, I've never been in an argument in a listing appointment or an MR ever. But what if you were? And what if you could handle that off a break without any worries in the world? So I don't, you know... And someone had to have the director style about them anyway. It, it needed to have that director. I yeah. mean, as I mean, and, what and, bad and, could come from it though? Like Josh and what Luke. What someone under stress? I mean, it, it was a competition, so everyone's sitting there going, "Yep, move on to the next one. Yep, move on." That's not a competition. Everyone's saying, "Oh, glad you know I wasn't up there in front of you." But those two guys that unfortunately drew me twice were up there in front of me. And now they've got all the confidence in the world that they can handle the biggest dicks in the world. And let's be honest, sometimes you get a vendor who's a dick and sometimes you get a buyer who's a dick. There's well, not all our clients are model citizen clients. They are designed to be tough. I mean, no, but to me, if you don't get into some kind of disagreement or heavy discussion with a honest. seller, you're not asking the right well, MR. I sing in that you're not asking the, enough on MR, man. Whoever said to you that they've never got an argument in a listing or an MR, have you actually been in real estate? Because you haven't pushed. You know, well, it made me feel a little bit bad because I get in them quite often. <laughs> but they're always on the, on the premise of they're being honest with me and I'm being honest with them. To those guys, if they listen to this, all I was after them to do was stop for one second and go, how can I help? Because obviously I've annoyed you somehow and, and, and check in. And instead they kept coming back at me. So fuck it, if you're going to keep coming back at me, I'll keep coming back at you. What I would do in that situation if I'm in someone's house and I've been there where somehow we were getting along nicely and then it turned a bit aggressive, I've pulled back and said, sorry, I've missed something. Let's get back on the same page. And all the uh, carnage would have ended had one of them done that. And I gave them that feedback afterwards. We've got to put people under And that's what training should be. We put people under that sort of pressure. What's your sweating? Bleed in training so you don't bleed no. out on the street? Or? No, no, no. Sweat in training so you don't have to bleed in combat. Yeah, all that. Yeah, bleed in training. Bleed in training, you have no more soldiers, mate. Yeah. And everyone uh, to a no left, no left. <laughs> everyone to a T in our office came back and said, we need to be harder on each other in training. Well, as you know, I work with in, in my Richmond and Penrith teams. There's only girls. And it was interesting, the dynamics of the ones who go, oh, gee, I was always a bit scared of Cam, but, I mean, now I'm even more scared of him, to the others who went, you know what? He made that a competition. He, it wasn't up there to sort of just swap. It was, it was tough. You fought them a bit and you went that just to see, will these people keep fighting or are they going to run in the corner and cry? It needed that. Maybe I mean, it's called a competition for a reason, not just stand up at a prayer recital and say something and go, next, you know. So, as I say, working with all girls, you see the different dynamics. Who's prepared to push that bit further? Who was going, okay? And you could watch it on their faces. I mean, I love watching crowds. I love watching people. So, yes, I was paying attention to the, the contestant, but in the same breath, You're a voyeur. I'm watching people... Not, not in that way, thank you. Um, but I was watching the faces of the people who think, yeah, I could do this. But then as soon as a tough question comes, they look down and think, nah, <laughs> no, I'm glad I wasn't up there, you know. Or, or the one who's, you know, as I say, you see that on the face and they're wanting to whisper the word to the person because they're so close and they want to help mm. them. And it's just interesting that you watch and you could see the ones who go, oh, gee, he's a bit of a tough guy. And the other ones who go, yep, got some competition now. Let's see how this person sweats because, as you said, we need to sweat in training. 
Yeah. Lauren but, Wells came straight out after that and chose me as her partner for the role play. That's the difference between, oh, shit, Cam was too hard and I'm scared of Cam, to the chick who won the competition yep. came out and said, you know what, I choose you. And she wasn't to know that that section wasn't set up to be adversarial. We weren't meant to cause any issues with that. They were meant to teach us. So she was never a risk of me being tough on her with any of that stuff, but she wasn't to know that. And even Butcher are said... You, are you saying that you're responsible for her winning? No, I'm just oh. saying the difference in mentality. <laughs> no, that was Kim. The uh. difference the difference in mindset to someone going, oh, that's a bit harsh and, and oh, geez, I hope I don't get him, to I fucking choose you. And, and hence why she won. So your girls in the office and, and everyone everywhere who is on different sides of that fence, work out which side you want to be on because I choose the one who goes, I want that. It was actually also nice to have a few mothers there and a few spouses there too who've never seen real estate because they could now see. I was actually very, very happy to see Angela being there for her son, Jampiero. And you could see all day long, mate, the pride of a mother seeing a young son who a little while ago just started in, in real estate. And what he's doing now is just crazy. That kid, his future is going to be fine. I think that gave the entire family a feeling that they're going to go on for weeks. Competition is the fantastic thing. I was thinking about what you just said um, not so long ago, Stephen. The person who sat down there and thought, oh, I could do this, and then listened to the next line and thought, oh, no, I couldn't, was no different to the person doing it. But the person doing it actually was conquering the demons, where the person sitting there and saying, oh, no, I, 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 thank God I didn't, were actually giving in to their demons. And life or the the measure of how much you achieve in life is how much you actually conquer yourself. But I think that then now goes back to an answer the previous question, why did leaders not come and why did people not bring their teams? Because some people just aren't at that level. They don't think like that. They're not didn't think of what it would offer their team in a day. They didn't probably think of the camaraderie and maybe, as you said, they thought of that one listing the team could get or the one sale. They didn't think of the... 10 sales that someone might get now after having that. I, I can tell you. They're probably and the same people, though, that lament a lack of training or say things like, oh, the team's not training hard enough or even though they're not doing the training themselves, say stupid shit like, Or they oh, say they our don't team's train. really well trained and then, you know, you walk into their office and say, what's the first 60 seconds? And someone goes, the what? <laughs> the, the first what? And then you straight away know they're not training. Yeah. You know, I mean, even with Port Macquarie, I mean, we've got Cheryl in our office. Now, she's been in real estate for 28 years, and she's had a bit of a different style of real estate. I think she might have been commission only most of the time, and, you know, she made a few yeah. sales each year. She was happy, you know, that was for her. And she's had a little bit of a settling into our office, And but she said to me, I have never experienced training like this. Yes, I had to get up at 2.30 Thursday morning to do my makeup and get in the car and drive down for five hours, but... I've never experienced something like this. And I can tell you, every since day since then, that girl's had a result. Wow. You know, it's just, you can just see that it was like a, just that click she needed to think, wow. I'm part of something bigger and let's go. You know, if that's what happened for that person, that's awesome. If someone else picked up a great line, everyone's going to get something different out of it because they're all at a different level to get something else. But if you don't even go... Gave I my mean, wife all the confidence in the world, mate. She hasn't stopped giving it to me since, so thanks. Well, yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks a lot. That's good. <laughs> no, You mate. probably need some back. From mate. what Chris says, you probably need a bit back. Mate. You had your partner there. She's never been real estate. What did you think of the day? 
Oh, she's still. I think she's up with Crystal. She's still talking about it now, right? And she still refers to things. So, I mean, she's done recruit training. So, I mean, Lisa's done that, and she sees them in the office. She just talked about the people, the strengths they had, and I think even the word heroes was something we talked about. Of these people might not have been out fighting a fire and or or rescuing someone, but to get up in front of those people is that same level, same quality, same caliber. So she was just wowed by it. Nothing that could have expanded your comfort zone more than that day. I talked once before about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and I went through a stage where I used to find things that I hated and do them on purpose just so I could get more comfortable with everything. We keep saying intensity, but the pressure and intensity that was on on that day, mate, they grew exponentially. My wife jumps out of planes. I think she's a moron, but does it without even breaking a sweat. I saw some sweat from Kay Wilson sitting on that stage, you know. For people not to see that and not be there and not understand the magnitude of it is sad. It's not even disappointing. It's just sad because you know that they've lost. But on the flip side, I don't care. My team was there. It's a great life moment for it. Forget real estate, forget business, forget listing appointments and all that shit. What a life moment. Look, Dazza, not a lot of people know, but Darren has played the last post in front of 45,000 people at Sydney Football Stadium on Anzac Day at an NRL game. And I had to remind him of that because when I saw the anxiety levels in him, I said, mate, you've played the last post in front of 45,000 people. This is nothing. Playing the bugle for him, easy. Doing that, it far outweighed probably even that performance of his. So, huge. But I don't argue. I've stood up in front of 1,000 people at a dinner and done a charity auction. Yeah. Think nothing of it. Stand up in front of that group. Next in my office who'd like to volunteer, I I just wasn't going to do it. You know, so I say I take my hat off to him. But did you realise there was not one single manager in there? This is the question. I, I love to see the mechanism behind people's behaviour. Why is it that a salesperson should pay $50 when I'm a sales manager, I should have more knowledge and I shouldn't pay more? What if I wanted the $2,000 that Veronique was offering on the day and I decided, hey, Thomas, I'm going to go in it? I would have give you all twos and threes, mate. You were no chance. Would that be fair if my entry ticket was 50 bucks? But then ask the question, if the entry ticket was only 50 bucks, how many managers would have been there anyway? I understand that, but what does it mean then? We have to make it out of comfort zone, right? If I was to enter it, hopefully my ticket was going to be 1500 bucks. I mean, I've said it before and I said again, I want to organize maybe a competition with other trainers. Yep. I think that our entry ticket should have been something like ten or 20000 Then maybe the winning things can go to fire services or whatever it is, but... Why not? I mean, if we think that we are at that level where we can really train people, then what's the problem with putting money behind those lines that we believe in? And I think that that's the key. Until they really do the competition, cannot understand what people put on the line. I say this all the time. I have done this all my life, right? I have been brought up spoiled, a spoiled brat man. I didn't have to do much. I, whatever I wanted, I, I got. So for me to come to a country like Australia with 400 bucks, that was out of comfort zone. For me to go into a school studying English and stand up in front of secretaries and telling them, listen, I, I paid for this. I want best class, not shit class. That was out of comfort zone. For me to say, listen, you know, I, I will do a school magazine. That's out of, I mean, everything. And, and I think that life only expands as much as you are willing to go out of comfort zone. And I think to me, seeing those guys doing it, I wish I really had my kids there. I wish my children really saw those heroes. 
in many ways, my children are hanging around, not only heroes, they do heroic things. Like you know, the twins this morning woke up at five, no electricity at home, but because they had to be at school for their tennis at 6.30. The twins had to go but during the break to the gym. At four o'clock, they start their next two hours of training in the gym. So those things, for them, it's out of comfort zone. And why is it that I'm okay? I mean, there are times when I'm being a bit of a wuss and I said to Veronique, uh, maybe... Maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe they're only 12. What do, why do we push them this hard? And Vernick said, no. What do you think life is going to be about? What are we pushing them? They're going to be playing. They're going to play a game they like. What is it waking up at 5 to be on, on court at 6.30? There's people who are rowing who are at 5 o'clock in the water. You know, what is it having to do two hours later on? Then afterwards come home and then having to do homework because you start later than everybody else and you live far away from the school. And I think it makes sense. The more you go out of comfort zone, the more you grow. So I think those bosses should have paid us for the opportunity they had. <laughs> well, I'm thinking soon I had two out of the top four that I might take you on in that training uh, trainer battle, mate. I'd Got my confidence up. Ahead, I've, out, I've had so. a couple of glasses of wine. My Dutch courage is up. So that's great. Let's go, bro. I think let's I, go. I think it'll be bro. great. Yeah, it's cliche, and I used this last night when I was talking to somebody who was struggling with their comfort zone. Life begins at the edge of your comfort zone, and there's a I can't draw a diagram because we're doing audio. But every time you step outside at that circle, if it was your comfort zone, gets a little bit bigger. The line I used a little while ago was get comfortable with being uncomfortable. It just makes one you experience a whole lot more. Because you are trying things. I will not ever, ever jump out of a plane. But just about everything else, I'm willing to give it a crack. That's just something I can't get my head around. But for, for the other leaders or the other business owners out there who aren't encouraging their staff to do that, I feel sorry for you because you're going to be working for the rest of your life. Yep. Well, it was a uh, great story is about the competition. What else happened with your week, boys? Anything new? Anything special we want to talk about? Bad weather in Barrera. Jesus. Yeah, what happened there? Gee. <laughs> man, after the fire, what is going on? We're trying to drown everyone. Oh, man. So much water. I don't know, mate. If I was into uh, the universe, I'd think someone was trying to tell me something about opening an office in Barrera because every time we've tried, there's been a massive act of Mother Nature. Not, not a small one. Not <laughs> Not a little bit of rain here or a bit of wind. Absolutely colossal storms. That are, well, you're you know, very lucky because the storm didn't just hit Barara. It hit actually hit a lot of places, yeah, so you don't have to worry about it that. It wasn't just Barara. No. Know, <laughs> no. Unless the universe trying to send all of us a message to get out of business. So that's not a major concern. I feel for everyone who um, has had damage. I had water in my rumpus room. It went under the sliding doors. But, but that's part of the deal. That's not a major concern. I, I want to share with you, boys, last week I had an amazing podcast. I, I uh, actually interviewed a guy who um, entered McDonald's at the age of 14, who now runs and owns, what is it, five McDonald's. Uh, in his heyday, he went up to eight. I've sponsored him a lot of his life, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I've contributed <laughs> many, but, many times. But you know what uh, really surprised me about him? This guy's got everything just to stand up there, taking a the microphone and just talk to me as if I was a nobody. Man, the humility in the guy. And I think that that's something that I really think we need to have a look at. Why is it that the All Blacks, one of their top three values is humility? What makes a person who actually can go out and buy a, a Porsche like I go and buy a piece of cheese, sit down and have so much humility, talk about people as if like they're all his equal, does not have to show off. It was an amazing podcast. 
it's been a week now. It's still with me. I'm still under that feeling of hold on. What is your true identity? Is to have the success that the Westernized world has set up as parameters of success happen to you, and yet it's not really changing your core values. They're the most successful people in the world. You don't hear from the godzillionaires ever, do you? The richest people on the planet, you wouldn't know who they are. Apart from the sort of top one or two that they promote every year. Oh, unless someone else told you about them, but they're not on TV carrying on. You see the threes and fours and you never know who they are. You wouldn't know. Exactly like this, they they just live their life, do the good they can and... They don't carry on. The best sports people on the planet, you don't hear from them. Like the, the press shoves a microphone in front of them, but you don't hear from them. All the guys that are top 20 in the world down, you hear from them all the time because they're never going to be number one, and that's why. Success leaves clues, man. It's not it's not that hard to figure out. The richest people on the planet, if money's your thing, the richest people on the planet, you don't even know who they are. Why? Because you never hear from them. Why? Because they have humility. And then maybe that humility is the reason they got as successful as they are. Well, I think that's the key, though. You, if you think you, if you can run a business and and run your life like that, you're going to have the following, the people, the, the the people that want to stick with you, the loyalty. We work in real estate, follows. mate. And every time I see someone spruiking about how good they are on Facebook, who's another real estate agent from another franchise or or from anywhere, you yeah. just know straight away they're not successful. They might be successful in I sell fifty houses a year, successful, but they're not successful in. I'm going to be able to create a business where I don't have to work anymore and, and have 50 people selling 50 houses a year underneath me. The loudest people, and it's the same. There's a saying for old pub drunks like me, it's the quiet ones you got to watch. The bloke who's in the corner of the pub yelling and screaming, you don't have to worry about him fighting you. It's the bloke who's sitting in the corner not saying a word that's going to knock your teeth out. And it's exactly the same. You've only got to look through the list of the most ex- successful people in the world. It's never the loudest bloke. It's never the loudest. Are you bloke. saying we have to be worried about Stephen today? No, he's saying way too much, mate. <laughs> You're a bit worried. That's, that's why you. That's why you've never got to worry about me, because <laughs> I'm all just hot air, mate. Hey, <laughs> hey, right, mate. Let's dig into your wine, man. What have you got for us today? Almond. All right. So the very first podcast we did, we talked about how Crystal and I went to a cellar door in the Hunter Valley and. They told us that no one does buttery Chardonnays in the Hunter Valley anymore. You can't get them and our winemaker won't even make them. And then we went to the next cellar door and it was to Julius. And I said, oh, there's heaps of buttery Chardonnays. Go here, here and here. And we talked about the ego of it and the competition of it. Yep. And the, that cellar door that we went to that said there was no such thing was Cockfighter's Ghost. Yeah. Another tip for people, the bottle next to the Coles in Barrera. Great bottle shop. I went in there. They got all the Hunter Valley wines. They got quite a lot of boutique wines. It's a local liquor, so you wouldn't think much of it, but um, great bottle shop. So the I went one in, in the shopping. One in the shopping center yeah, next okay. to the Coles. It's okay. a local liquor, but I actually had a crisis of choice because I'm like, oh, no, which isn't. Oh, well, that's fantastic. It's then, a bit uh, different. You're going to win every wine and wisdom from here on then. Well, maybe not because this isn't meant to be a big buttery Chardonnay, but this isn't the one we tested while we were there. We tasted. This is their reserve. It's a 2016 Chardonnay. That should be nice. And I thought I'll give you blokes a chance. Okay. All right, so we'll see how they go. All right, let's try it then. Stephen, what about your leadership, man? How is it going with the, all the, the women? And he's surrounded he's by been, women, yeah, mate. He's yeah, doing you've something, You've been working right? for so many years, mate. While he's doing all this, I might as well just ask you. Is leadership of a bunch of ladies harder than leadership of a bunch of boys? Yes, definitely. All right, cheers, boys. Cheers, boys. Cheers. I know I'm, I'm putting you a little bit on the spot here now, but... 
Oh! I might, might have to stop looking at the bottles of Chardonnay and, and throwing them ladies back. Ladies and gentlemen. It's not too bad. Denola it's got a bit of butter to it too, Cockfighter's Ghost, I'd hate to tell you. Danola said you wouldn't know a wine if it slapped you in the face, but that's not too Denola bad. Danola has no grounds to stand on as far as wine goes. So I'll just ask you yeah, a so question going again. Back, yeah, going back to working with all women versus men, and I guess I get the best of both worlds because Port Macquarie and Foster have got men involved, but it also gives me an easier, it's an easy question to answer. You just have to deal with them in a different way. You would understand, Cam, I think, dealing with a guy, it's just straight... Face-to-face, guy-to-guy, it's how you sort something out. Yeah. With the girls, you just have to listen a lot more. Let them talk. You sort of understand and explain what they really want to talk about and it takes a little bit longer because you talk to a guy, you go, mate, you're crap, step up, this is what you need to do. If I said that to every girl, I'd have tears every five seconds. Mm. So you, know, you just talk to them about why and what they're feeling and then very quickly you move on and get the same results. So... So Thomas said, is leading a team of girls easier than leading a team of guys or a mixed team? And you said, yes, it's easier. But what but I you, think what you just easier. described to me doesn't sound no, easy. No, I actually think it's easier. <laughs> Having to listen to what they actually bloody want and <laughs> care about their <coughs> cats, dogs. That's why I have him, mate. He, he would say the shit that I, I w- wouldn't have the audacity to do. It doesn't sound easy. Kicking well, a few blokes when they're not doing their job, piece of piss, mate. Having to listen to... Girl troubles 24-7. But it's not 24-7. I think that's the difference. (laughs) A guy will... Love you, ladies. Sure now. No wonder they love Chris Danola. He just proved it. But the the difference, I think, with a guy is you will have to go over and over again quite often with a guy on the same point. There's things I don't even bother saying at Port Macquarie anymore because it's like they've heard it for so long, they're not going to change. That's how they are. Just keep doing it. As long as it's not breaking our culture, it's not costing money and it's not hurting them in any way, let it be. Whereas with the girls, you can probably change that a lot quicker. I mean, I'd love to hire some guys. I'm just waiting for some to apply, and I've got my first interview with a guy on Monday, probably for this year, because no, I haven't had any guys in at all. They just don't even apply on real estate. And maybe because they seem a te- see a team of girls and go, I don't want to be the only other guy besides Stephen. I don't know. but well, That's not a very smart ploy, because being the only guy surrounded by women seems like a good idea. No, because my, my partner Lisa is there every day of the week no, as well. I don't well, mean so. for you. I mean for the guys oh, for the that guy. aren't applying. Yeah. I wasn't <laughs> suggesting anything there, so wow. So, but I mean, no, actually, if I never hired another guy again, I don't think I'd be bothered. I know how to work with the girls. And Louise is not going to have a problem when I say this, but Louise attracts guys in Port Macquarie and I seem to attract the girls. Like attracts like, that's right. And, yeah. and, and it's nearly not wrong, you know. I, I think when some things come down to it, I'm the sympathetic, more caring side of things. Louise is this kind of, come on, mate, I'll take you out the back and smack you in the head if you're not going to do it kind of thing. You know, like, that's just the different style. Hence why she probably attracts the guys and, and, and I attract the girls. But if I never hired another guy, I, I wouldn't have a problem. I think how do you, in, on a serious note, how do you deal with the emotional aspect of it? Because I don't think it's sexist to say or keep the Me Too movement away from me, but... Women have a tendency to be a little more emotional, yeah? Yeah, I think so. But and we're in an industry or in a job that is so, fucking emotional. You know, a box of tissues is only 95 cents at Aldi and we do buy them in bulk, so that's okay. He even scrim- skims on the tissues, mate. Get the three-ply with moisturiser, you tight bastard. Uh, have you ever tried washing your glasses with <laughs> aloe vera tissues? I wouldn't be able to see for a week if I did that. <laughs> but So, no, look, you do need the occasional tissue, but I, do you know I can't remember... The last time, really, I had one of the girls crying. 
I mean, if you have fun, we've got such a fun environment and we do a lot of stuff together. And we've had some, I guess, bad times. Jessica's had a little bit of bad health recently, which she just got the all clear on. So she's, hey. she's cancer free, fantastic, you know, lots of fun. On you, Jess. But, you know, it, it's been an emotional time. And yeah, we've had a few tears with Jessica, but it's not work related tears. It, it's, it's, it's worry of what was happening. But I think it's just the fun. You, you make that environment, you know, they also know that they can come and have a cry if they really need to have one. And I think if you put it out there, I mean, the, the last time I, you know, the last real guy I remember I employed, I turned around and said something to me, he grabbed me by the collar and, you know, wanted to have a punch up. Now, <laughs> I never have been one to sort. I can't know. imagine more. <laughs> I've never been one to want to sort my battles out with my fists, you know. So if sitting down talking to someone and it takes five minutes longer, because I'm not going to sit there for half an hour, I haven't got that time. If it takes five minutes longer to listen to what something someone's got to say then let it happen. So, no, I think it's easier. I don't know if it's easier because they're women or easier because they're men, but I think I know a lot of my struggles is not having a one-size-fits-all management style or leadership style. So for me, either having a team of all men or a team of all women in some ways would be easier than having a couple of guys and a couple of girls because they are so different and we do have to manage them in different ways. If I had a team of guys... We could yell at each other all day and nothing be done. If I had a team of girls, yes, I'd listen for hours and hours and hours. But I'd listen and you'd know what you're managing. Whereas in my office, I've got to balance the both with the both and I could go five seconds after talking to a guy and saying, come on, mate, pull your head in. It's time to go to work to trying to have the same conversation with one of the girls that has to be done in a completely different way. My you current, know already, so you know yeah, that you've got to have that different no, conversation. But so. at my current skill level... All right, that, that's still a battle I've, I have on a daily basis. When I started, mate, it was, you're all the same, I'm going to speak to you all exactly the same way, and you take it how you take it. And if you cry, you cry, and if you don't, you don't. And, that, and I'll, you know, I'm changed and I'm growing, but it's still a, sometimes I'm like, oh, if it was just all the same, it'd be, life would be easier. Probably the difference I find is, unfortunately, I have a relatively high level of sarcasm. Sometimes the sarcasm will come out which stops the tears coming and brings a little bit of anger towards <laughs> yeah. me. Unfortunately, because we're men, when we say that women get emotional, it's always taken as they always cry. Emotional isn't a bad thing. It can also be the other way too because quite often you've got to calm down a little bit in a good sense. I think it's so just realising the battles that you want to pick as well. And, I mean, that's advice for anyone with teenagers too. All of them. You, you just decide which battles that you want to pick and, and which time you want to jump in and really prove your point that I'm right or listen to someone else's point to see what they're doing, or just think the world's not going to change if I don't sort this out and you let it go. Mm. And I think that's probably the part that you do more. It's, it's you know, you, you can always tell who is very emotional this current week. They're the person that you go have a nice friendly chat to. We're not going to talk about any performance issues. You just know when to pick it. You become a bit of a good reader. You would just be the same. You've got a wife. You, you know when's a good time and when's not to. <laughs> You know? Yeah, but I just go in anyway. You go in anyway, no. Uh, get outside no. your comfort zone. I think it, mate, I think it's a missed opportunity in a lot of senses. Women have more natural gifts than guys do, I think, when it comes to sales or especially in what we do because empathy and care is so important to earning someone's trust. I agree. I don't get a lot of feedback from vendors or whatever that have spoken to other agents that have been women where they've said, oh, that guy just seemed slick and you know wanted to wheel and deal which us guys often if we're too salesy 
get labelled with. And that's the one thing, one of the very few times I've agreed with you, TL, about my wife is put her in front of someone, no one's ever going to say no because her level of – and it's her listing their property. <laughs> I've never said no to that either. But, <laughs> you know, and it's one of the reasons that she is still great at the sales side of things. And I think a lot of women don't realise it or don't believe in themselves enough. But if you can go around to a house and have someone fall in love with you in a completely non-sexual way, but in a friendship way, they're going to sell their house with you. And I think we miss a trick. I think you're on a gold mine having an office full of women if if they are portraying those values and if they understand that, that no one will ever say no. How does a woman going up against a man ever lose a listing if they understand that I can just be the mum? And I listed a house the other day and, I mean, get on perfectly with a client, no issues, but the one question she said, you do have some women work for you, don't you? And I was like, I only have women work for me. But I thought, you know, it's funny. I'm the only guy and they still wanted to know those women. So I find it, you know, when we look at the clients they attract, and, I, and I'm sure there's sometimes we, we miss out on the odd listing because I don't get the opportunity to go back as the man that maybe someone was looking for. But realistically, who makes most of the decisions? Who comes and looks at homes mostly the first time? It's women. So it is, it's become a very, you know, I reckon in 10 years' time, possibly there'll be no men left in real estate except the principals because it's becoming such a female-dominated industry. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Still I was just 10 years before my time, but, you know. The skill level comes in the close. I think as long as the, we can train our ladies to close because people still need to know that you can do business. People still need to know that when you're standing in front of a buyer, you're the person who's going to get them the most money. Apart from that, all they want is empathy and care and someone to understand their situation. Who does that better than the mothers of our world? That's uh, right. And even the ladies who aren't mothers yet in the literal sense, you were put on this earth to be one. So that is going to be innate in you. So then it's just our job to teach them to close if that's where they're lacking. And mate, the goldmine's there. It's but I also think watching the girls, you know, if they're, and, and most of my team have got family. So if they're away from their family, they're more determined, I think, than a lot of the guys to make every minute they've got count. Guys will come to work, they'll go home, oh, I didn't get a result, oh, well, you know, throw me a beer, give me the remote and I'll be okay. Whereas... Don't know what you're talking about, mate. The, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas the girls are thinking... He's got cameras on my wall. Give him his remote back. <laughs> He's got a knife, I'm not gay. Um, but, you know, whereas the girls are thinking, well, hang on, no, I, I missed out on picking the kids up from school this, this afternoon or I missed out on doing this. Now, and, and that's one reason why years ago I would never have thought of doing it. But, I mean, the, over the last five years, we insist upon the kids going, sorry, the parents going to the, all the kids' events. You know, someone will go, oh, look, you know, I, I just let you know Johnny got a certificate. Did you go? No. Never again will you miss him getting a certificate. Oh, no. it doesn't matter. Dad went. No, because you know what's going to happen one day? The kid's going to remember dad went to everything and mum went to nothing. So now it's mandatory that they must attend every single mm. school event. Wow. Who cares? It's an hour out of their day or two hours or <laughs> half a day. The kids will remember it. And some of the kids go, thanks, Stephen. I, I really appreciate mum coming along to this. Or, you know, like it's you get the gratitude back from them. So... And you do that. With guys, they, they probably don't want to go to things as much. But, oh, so the that's girls, not fair. Well, some I'll do, take some don't. That. I'll fight you. You know, like, you know, I've got to find something. But, you know, they... He said not as much. He didn't yeah, say They didn't, didn't say not at all. But again, if I had guys, I'd be pushing them. I mean, I had to threaten one of my girls once with, I will ring your school and get the yearly calendar to know what's on and mark it in your diary. 
very quickly, her diary suddenly appeared, this, that, and whatever. Like when Andrew was at school, I was one of those dads that we used to joke around that I was at school if they were going to open a tub of yogurt <laughs> because I was just at school for everything, you know, because I was a dad. And part of his schooling or, or most of his schooling, I was a single dad. But I raised him so he could go to school and he needed to have his dad there because, yeah. I mean, Kermon Public School, every single mum was at school. Mm-hmm. I mean, every mum was at school and there weren't too many dads, but he didn't have a mum who could go. I've learned it from myself. You do not miss anything. And there was nothing that Andrew could really say. I mean, I worked hard and I worked long hours. My dad went to everything and that's what I want for the girls and the team. And even the guys in port, Ed, go to this, go to that. You know, the kids will remember. So... But I think that this is now you're saying it's not about really whether we have a full team of girls or full team of men. It's about whether we have grown in our leadership to be able to handle them and understand them. Because I can tell you now, I'm listening to you and I've never heard this. We've known each other, mate, what is it now? 12 years, yeah? Probably longer, yeah. And I have never heard you saying that you get all your ladies to go to all their children's events at school. That to me is a big point. If leaders really understood that, oh yeah, okay, it's two hours that you waste. It's two hours they don't have to make prospecting calls. It's two hours that they don't have to go to a listing appointment. But Jesus, the memory that you're giving them, they don't have to go home feeling guilty that they missed out. And I think that that's the point that you have, the uh, the ability to really get close to your ladies and do these things, they make a difference. I'm listening to you, I was watching you, and it's only a podcast, so it's very difficult to see it, but the joy that you even had on your face when you said, we have a lot of fun at work, we do these things, you know? I I think that's what people don't get. As a leader, one of our job is to create fun at work. But if you don't have fun, like, and, and even from my point of view, I mean, forget everyone else. If I had to go to a workplace where you couldn't have fun or a joke, and I'm, I'm the clown, you know, I am the office clown. I'll always be the first to pick on someone or stir them up and have some fun. You get them the laughing, you know, you get them that. And I mean, you taught me that, Thomas, I have to say that. I didn't, once upon a time, I'm one of these dudes who used to, before I joined Synergy, I was one of these dudes who like, don't not do your call, don't do this, don't do that, you know, like... And then I realised, I saw the light, and it took me longer. It didn't happen the first day. It took me a while to realise, especially employing females. You've got to give them more time, necessarily. You've got to, you know, Cam expects his dinner on the table when he goes home. So, you know, like, no, you've eaten so much cheese. I know it's chicken, mate, so it doesn't matter. It's going to be chicken. (laughs) Oh, isn't it? You don't like chicken? No, just chicken seven ways. How many different ways can you cook chicken? Uh, I was talking, listen, I was talking yesterday to a mother who said to me, you know, I'm going through divorce. My leader at first said to me, you know, whatever you need, whatever help I can give or support, we're we here for you. Beautiful words. But what she said to me is that when she had to go earlier to pick up the kids at school one day, suddenly it was like, uh, why are you leaving this early? You can't do this. You can't do that. If we're going to say we support people and we're going to really put up with maybe or even be there alongside them as they go through their ordeals, then we need to do that to the nth degree. We can't just say it in words and then afterwards show different actions. I'm sorry, but mate, when, whenever there's divorce, ladies are always worse off. I don't care. They get the houses, they get whatever it is. They're always worse off. Yeah, Their entire life is disrupted. And now they have to go out there and make a living, just like a man. And then afterwards, make sure that the mother side of them doesn't suffer. 
that they can be at home and cook for the kids, that they can do something. And as you know, real estate is a freaking long job, long day. So how do we learn to respect women for what they do and for the amount of work that they do? I mean, how do we find that instinctive mode that we have in us men? That it is all about hard work, the hours at work, and work like the buddies, work like the men. How did you balance that? That's a tough one because I don't really know when it happened. I used to be like that. Do this, do that, you know, like it was, why haven't you done this? And I think maybe as I turned to a more all-girl office, then maybe I had to start thinking a little bit differently and starting realising that I've got mums. And, you know, I'd know most of the partners as well, so I'd know the ones who were getting home early and spending the time with the kids, which I worry about because that's dad and boy or dad and girl time, whatever it might be, but that's time the mum's missing as well. There's going to be that little bit of jealousy and resentment in that relationship because you're getting to spend more time with her than I am. So you've got to allow things like that. But then I could also see the husbands who were ringing at 4 o'clock in the afternoon to say, what's for dinner? And I'd see no work get done from that time onwards. So in the interview process, I'd say, what sort of support have you got? Who cooks dinner? Because nothing worse than getting a phone call at four o'clock and your head's totally messed up for the next hour or whatever it might be at work and can't do any work. Yeah, but what kind of husband would do that? Well, again, and that's one of the reasons why I asked the question initially. Yeah. And we try to, you know, spend some time with the husbands now to sort of work that out. Who Who's going to be? I haven't got to the stage where we're interviewing the husbands before an interview. Or we haven't got to that stage yet. But that's coming, I think. You know, I can see that coming in this world to be doing that because most women's career in real estate has been wrecked by the man at home. Yeah. Because they're expecting dinner on the table by six or expecting this or... And I've had to work with some of the team too, you know. We, we've got the odd partner who doesn't want to do things. It's like it's the woman's role to do this. But she earned $92,000 last year. Do you want that sort of money in your household or do you want to go pack shells at Woolies? Yeah. And well, we need that money. So then you, you've got to work a bit on that. I don't know when the change came, but... I mean, you mentioned divorce. I've got two ex-wives, as you know. So I've been through two divorces and sometimes it feels like I've been through a hundred because I've attracted so many clients that are in the same situation. It's like if you're going to get divorced, call Stephen because he'll work with you and help you through it. But, you know, <laughs> it, it, I always look and it depends on their role in the office. How is the office going to suffer if this person isn't here? As long as they're doing what they need and they need more time, it's okay. If they're in sales, I'm a little bit tougher. I look at the board. Are they on track? Yeah. If someone asks for something or needs something and they're on track, go do it. Hence why we started the program with Marietta and as of this week, it's moving to our entire sales team. It doesn't oh. have to be the girls or it's just guys as well. Yes. Our only rule with it is they have to make target first. So if you're a brand new person this week... Once you've made target, you can go to that same rule. Yes. That you get a result, a signed listing or an exchange contract, yep. an exchange contract. Yep. It can't just be an, an, a sales advice. Sales, yep. You can go home at 3 o'clock either that day, if it happens before, or 3 o'clock the next day. I won't let it carry over to can I bank it for a month or two, no. It, the guys, because some of the guys have started saying, hang on, I heard she gets to go home at 3, how come I can't? Yeah, I, that's, that's what I believe. We should never have two set of rules. And we That's a wrong culture. And we never had two sets of rules, but Marietta was a trial. Yep. We had to test this out to see how it was going to work. Yep. And as funnily enough, Marietta said to Kiri in a one-on-one this morning, um, oh, listen, I don't know if I can afford to keep taking um, my three o'clocks off if I keep getting results because I've got other results to get. But apparently at three o'clock she clocked off and went home and congratulations, you had a result, let's do it. But that's, that's the know? beauty about people is that they have a choice. That's right. 
There's something in you when you have that freedom of choice. You don't have to go home at three or you go home at three, it's a totally different feel. Yeah. I think that for her to get that freedom of choice is fantastic. If someone, you know, keeps trying to do it after, well, it's impossible. You can't get a result and go home continually and not be on target. Me, I don't no. care. You, you can give me 20 days of results every single day and I, I'll give you a week off if you wanted to. I've got no problem. But you do 20 days of continued results in a row, you're going to be above target anyway. That's, that's so it's exactly not going to be a problem. Right. So that's why I took back what I was about to say because you're not going to help but be on target. But again, that was something that was your idea, Thomas. And I know a lot of leaders have fought you on it and there's still people now fighting you on it. But I, I don't at all regret that decision, which is why we've opened it up to the entire team, all four officers. Yeah. Which really brings me back to leadership. Is that listen, mate, in every day, in every ages, in every time there's dinosaurs and the people who actually make it into Charles Darwin's book and evolve into something else. The people who are still trying to look for the trading post and advertise their home, um, they probably gone broke and probably died like the dinosaurs. So we have to evolve. The people who are fighting this new world of workforce where mums are forced to go out there and, and make a living, you, you, you think about this, you know. For hundreds of years in the industrial world and for thousands of years, mum looked at the family. Mum used to make sure that the family unit is nice and safe. And now mum is forced to go out and fight the battle that dad can't do anymore by himself. And suddenly you're now asking mum not only to keep on doing what is in their DNA to look after the entire family, but on top of it to go out there to now fight, to now hunt. And I think that that is the thing that is really forcing great leaders to now think differently to think different step if they are not going to die like dinosaurs, if they're going to evolve like great leaders, is that they're going to say, all right, what is reality? Well, reality has evolved, then I need to evolve. If I don't evolve, I'm going to die with the dinosaurs. That is the reality. Reality is you get paid for 18 weeks as a mum by the government for maternity leave. Most people are coming back to work after 18 weeks. If they're lucky to have a mum or grandparents or whatever they've got to look after their kids, perfect. If they don't, 18 weeks to six-month-old kids are getting stuck in daycare so they can come back to work and afford to keep the houses that they live in. And whether they rent or they own, that's the reality we live in today. You know, and you need to make that happen. If you want to employ these people, whether they're guys or girls, you need to look that we live in a flexible world today. Yeah. I think you're inspiring, mate, in what you're doing. And I think that mate, stuff's Charlie's Angel. I talk about Stephen's Angels now. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to use that as a tagline once, but, you know, maybe now I'm not single. Um, that's probably not an overly good tagline to keep going. Stephen's angel, so. <laughs> Why? What's the problem? I reckon Charlie's got his own wife. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We never saw Charlie, so who knows? <laughs> hey, listen, boys, what about trying my wine before it's too late now, right? Yes, that's right. Let's try this. I've got a 2014 Picardi. And Picardy is a wine in um, a winery in Western Australia, in the south, south of Perth. Actually, this is a family who spent a lot of time in France looking for the right grapes. I reckon, I don't know, I haven't spoken to them, but by the name of Picardy, Picardy is actually a region that is north of Paris, between Paris and Brussels, if you will. It's a, probably a climate more for cold type of wine. So Pinot Noir, probably even Chardonnay. 
But here I've got a Merlot that is blended with uh, Cabernet Sauvignon and Cabernet Franc. So there's three grapes, but mainly the biggest grape is Merlot that has 48% of it. So let's try this and see sure. whether this here deserves to win this week. I think the Chardonnay is winning so far. Just <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think not not, not so a, sure. A bit yeah. of a tie there, bro. really, I think. Yeah, I, I think oh, to me... Chardonnay was good. So, Yours is you know. nice, mate, but that... No, I must say, I mean, I see Chardonnay and go, no, that's right. No, I, I gave no, him a hard time, but that's about that. I gave him a hard time, but that the cockfighters ghost reserve it is. It's not the normal one. All right, boys, let's try Cheers. this. All right. Mm, it's not bad. Look at that white taste yeah. out of my mouth. But I have to tell you though, I bought it because of the label. I looked at it and I thought, oh, mm. quite gothic kind of a label. I, I bought it, mm. but also it's very rare that we drink Cabernet Franc. Not everyone would open a bottle with Cabernet Franc. I've in never it. heard of it. We no. both saw Cabernet Franc and thought, oh, he's bought another French wine in. Uh, he keeps trying to outdo no. us. Not everyone drinks Merlot, and yeah. yet Merlot, it's a beautiful. Yeah. And considering that, grape. like, if you talk about Merlot, people go, ah, oh, it's you know, it's, it's it's a bit weak, it's a bit runny. That's a fairly good that's, wine. That's a good job. You know, like it's an interesting thing you just said, picking it on the label. What do you pick your wines on? Because we can't have tasted every wine on the planet, right? So. Because I'm a Chardonnay drinker, I look for a year. And if it's got 2014 or 2017, I know I'm a 7 out of 10 chance of having a good wine. What do you pick your wines on? I would go with the year. Or a label that says I, Fat Bastard. There. I also would look for weird label. For the what? Weird label attracts me. Okay, And yep. then a weird label will just get me to look look at it. It gets me inquisitive. But I have to say, that, you know, in the end, it's uh, the, the year is very important. I went back to Belgium and I thought, you know, I'm going to get some wine and celebrate mum's birthday. And I was looking into all the wine. I thought, you know, let's go all out. Let's get her a nice, some nice wines. And my brother-in-law said, no, right now, if you want those type of wines that I was looking for, you have to go between 216 to 15. You don't want to go lower than that. And I looked at him. I'm thinking, are you serious? We made 2019 and we're going to be drinking some 2015, 16. So I went on to some apps and had a look and he was right. The wine in those regions were that. So you have to really go with the year that's right. You have to experiment as well, you know. We're talking about some great wines here. Every single time we do a wine wisdom, beside Chris, we all paying attention to the wine that we bring. Mm. Yeah, so That's a true call, mate. Well, is he's, that true? He's, he's, just, what, he he's fucking useless, bro. Uh. When it comes to wine, I love that man. I love that man <laughs> like a brother. Yeah. But when it comes to choosing wine, he is as fucking useless as... <laughs> He's a house brick. It does you know, nothing. But we, we, <laughs> we had dinner the other week with Chris at Muse, and I mean, he was telling me about you know how good oh, he yeah, good. wine. No. And he's he's got brought his one. And like I don't know how many wine and wisdoms we've done, but he's brought one good wine. That yeah. was the last wine he brought. Yeah, he, he got us on that, that, that week. He did, and that's Arresca, that's the God's Arresca honest one, truth. Yeah. So I guess for people, because our people saying, "Tell us what bottles you're drinking before the podcast, so we can all drink it together." You're going to have to do some research on what style of wine you like and then what years were best for it. We know that in the Hunter Valley, 14 and 17 have been the best years for Chardonnay. Even 19, now they're talking well, about Well, yeah, they're saying they've all been pretty good since 14, but 14 and 17 were the standouts. And in a couple of years, it'll probably show that 19 was as good as those, if not better. Similians, we know, have to be a few years old before you can drink them. Oh, yeah. There's a few general rules. Otherwise, find a cool label, man, and, and try it. Yeah, if you drink a Semillon that is uh, less than five-year-old, you're, you're stupid. And just similar on yeah, own? Semillon. Yeah. And wines can get too old. There's some mm, people... Oh, like, definitely. Danola oh, yeah. fell for this when we were at his place. He's, oh, this is a 2002 
fucking blah, blah, blah. The cork had disintegrated into the wine and it tasted like urine. The poor so. bastard opened four <laughs> bottles in a row and we couldn't have more than two sips of each. At one stage, the, I think one of the first bottle, he looked at me, he goes, what do you think? And I didn't want to say much. You know? <laughs> he just raised his eyebrows like Thomas does and goes, I'm there going. <laughs> Don't, yeah, go yeah. Go. <laughs> Don't touch. Oh, mate. You know, I was thinking back to just talking about a team and everything. And I think team is the wrong word because it's family. I don't think there's anything, there's nothing I wouldn't do for any of our team. But the sad thing at the moment is we've just got Jessica over something. Yeah. And between Louise, Di and Chris, who are my my three partners in Port Macquarie, all of them have either just very, very freshly and over the last few months or over the last year have all got something wrong with their parents, their mums and, and dads. Apart from Lou, I mean, we're all sort of in that late 40s, 50s type bracket. Mm-hmm. Chris has got a mum, Di's got both mum and dad, and, and so's Lou. But in the last couple of days, all three have now got an issue with one of their parents. Right. Poor Lou is, you know, dad's just been diagnosed with some cancer. Di's dad's been suffering with dementia. But, I mean, she texted me last night at 10 o'clock to say he'd gone to hospital. It makes you realise that they're family. If I'd needed today, I would have cancelled this and drive to Port Macquarie. There's nothing I wouldn't do for a staff member. And I think that what brings you close and it makes you part of their family. I mean, we're having a lunch or something in a couple of Fridays. Oh, is it? Where, where is it? Uh, we can come to our office. I mean, the, the girls are cooking. <coughs> I'm not sure about that. Oh. But, you know, you can come down. It's all right. It's he just said you can't cook. Oh. He literally just said you I, can't cook. I don't need uh, to cook uh, because it's like... You just said the girls you, can't. You no, just no, said the girls... You can come down, the girls are cooking. I don't know about that. Well, uh, the the trouble is what They were your words. No, but you know what makes it? it. They're about to draw in the next couple of days, and by the time this comes out, they'll probably already have done it. Yeah. They're about to draw a nationality out, and they have to supply something that they're told. Country and either meal or dessert. So, you know, someone who thinks that they're the best Greek cook in the world could actually pull out something that says Australian dessert. And they have to bring it in. So get the pavlova from New Zealand. (laughs) New Zealand. I've said before, and say it again: if you're going to employ somebody, you sure as shit better be ready to treat them like family. Or what the fuck are you employing them for? Yeah, I don't get it. Why would you hire someone that you're not willing to jump in front of a truck for? Why? why? No, not everyone's built like this. There are people who are really, truly, fully got to spend all day with them. Yeah, but they built in having a separation, man. There are people whose brain don't even have a connection with others. There are people, you look at the way that they treat their, their own children and their wife. I mean, there's no way they're going to treat their, their staff any different. Come on, guys. There's some different makeups. There's different stuff. I think for some people, you may think that you've gone overboard. You've got an atmosphere that's nice. But this is now my question. Sometimes are we too nice that we can't really demand the best from people? Sometimes are we so nice that actually our people actually use us because they use that relationship as a withdrawal that they make, not you making, but they make. That's the that's the balance, isn't it? I'm I'm on the opposite side, not on the opposite. Sorry, that's the wrong word. I'm more. Well, I've actually heard no, I, don't, I haven't heard that rumor. I was only joking that you're on the opposite side, but you're a funny guy. I'll be the last time I'll add here. The reason I didn't speak the whole time, music guys were talking about that because I'm thinking about how much I profess, you know, everyone's family and 
even with my own wife and and how many times I haven't upheld that end of the bargain as far as helping people in that situation, you know, helping people spend more times with their kids and how many times I've been transactional even though in my head I don't want to be that way but how many times I've, that's why I didn't speak. It gave me a lot of pause for thought. Intention-wise, I'm on the same track. I want to be that person but sometimes it's hard to find that balance and then, you know, to Thomas's question. Why, why is it hard? Well, because you still need to get the best out of people. We're still in a business for results. We're still in a job where if we're hiring, this is going to sound real cold-blooded, but if we're hiring someone to sell houses and they don't sell houses, then what are we doing to our business? You know, where's that money going? So there's... So are you saying that being too nice or too close to your staff or to the, the group of ladies that you have in your staff is actually decreasing your results? I think it can possibly to some extent if it's not done in the right way. I think there still has to be a, a level of a modicum of respect that work is work and children time is children time and fun times with the team is fun times with the team. But when we work, we fucking work. I'm a young leader and a young business owner who's still trying to juggle all those balls. Make as many jokes as you want, but I juggle my balls at least twice a day. But... <laughs> I wasn't going to say a word, but I've got him, mate. Just added it on, didn't he? You listen to him, you think he's about to say something pretty serious. (laughs) And then he does shit like this. Yeah, well, you mate, life's too serious. Why so serious? Yeah, there's definitely a level, and there's definitely a line you can cross where if you put everyone getting along and everyone having fun to the detriment of results, then business is not heading in the right direction either. So. How do we find that perfect place where even the mothers and even, you know, going home at three o'clock fine with a result on the board. So that's that's the balance, right? You get a result, you can go home whenever you want or go home at three o'clock. That is the balance because it's result. But then is that transi- is that transactional? You can only go home and spend time with your kids if you get me a result. I pay for you to work the whole day. Yes. So for me to sacrifice some of those hours, which I'm still paying you and you're, you're going... It's not about transactional. It's about you earning it. And I think that this is the thing. I had two guys in my entire career that worked around me that I would say were uh, the epitome of what I wanted to do in leadership. They work hard. They would be leaving the office sometimes that, that people would be scratching their head about. And they would just do things as if we were just family. But I always said to them from day one, you guys are my mate. But that does not mean that you have to use it against me. So as long as when we understand when we're working, we work. We do the best we can to make sure we get results. And then when we mate, we just just mates. I mean, those boys used to come to my place, and Rene can tell you, and have a meal in my place once a week. Sometimes they would just go there and I'd say, what are you doing tonight? Oh, nothing. All right, come around. And so I'd have the two boys there. That was Brendan and, and Scott. But the two boys would go out of their way to make sure when it comes to result, never let Thomas down because that is our part of the bargain. I agree with uh, Stephen. If I had to build a team, I only have women because I reckon they're the best sales lady. But there is something also in women when something doesn't go their way, they're the worst bitches, Mm. right? You ever had two women just having a go at each other? Like two boys, they'll have a go at each other. Ten minutes later, they go, mate, what's that listing? Uh, Can you give it to me? Mate, the ladies two years down the road, they still... <laughs> you know, I mean, this, this is where... Then, then that means to me, maybe you're not, you're not bringing the best at the table. Maybe you're not bringing the best to work. Because work is an environment where there's stress, where there's conflict, where there's a lot of things happening, and we have to make things happen. But we don't always have it our own way. Mm. 
What are you laughing at? What are you laughing at him? <laughs> yeah, I've something to talk to you about after this. Um, it's like now we're going to have another session after the session, really. Um, but I think... Just someone holding a grudge made over nothing. That, day. <laughs> that was all. It was, um, the thing I, I think, though, is really... That if they... Stop laughing. If they know... I, I think they know. I think if you do it right, the line is there. Majority of our people are there to do a job that's either high demand or to do a job that's going to earn you money, like extra money as in commission. People know their place of what they've got to do. We can have the fun, we can have, and, and we can be close. And I've got four business partners that are women. May I feel for you? I'm seeing a theme here, mate. What is it, that? I'm seeing a, I'm seeing a recurring theme here. Well, why? Office it's, of only women, only women, women business like, partners. Really? If you want to sit here and talk about... The, I, I think mean, you're mad. Someone mate, said the other day... A guy, at least you can... If worse comes to worst, at least you can punch each other in the mouth and then have a beer afterwards, as Thomas said. With yeah, a so woman, the is, With a woman, mate. Oh. The trouble is, you got to remember... Love you, ladies. You know, I'm the, I'm the guy that'll stand here and you go, all right, I'm going to punch you in the mouth. And it's like, bring it on. I mean, I'll see you in jail. But it'll be okay because that's I'm not a fighter. You know, I'll let so, you punch me back. No, but so I wouldn't. That's the difference. I would never. No, he'll call the cops. You in jail, I, and then you have to sell your home. You'd have to sell your home, and you're gone, mate. And that that would you make know? you that would make you think next time before you just. I'll hit back with words. What about metaphorically never... punch each other in the mouth? And if you're going to metaphorically, if you're going to yeah, carry really, on about it, really, then what's the difference? I mean, metaphorically, let's just have an argument. No, that's, that's what I mean. It's going to be, you know. So I think you can argue with a guy. If you draw the, yeah. And, and I, I think you can argue with ladies. Do you know what? This this is. You can, I, it's just not smart. Do you know why he gets on so well with the women? He's got a lot of female energy. He's got a lot of estrogen. Yep. Right? Mean. So he's female. No, seriously, he understands them so well, man. I think you have to go with the leadership you're ready to go for. If your energy is just that creative, female, caring style, going with other female who are creative and caring, Mate, you're going to do fine. But if you are a caring kind of dude and you're going to work with just guys like him, you, you guys going to butt head every single day. Mate, I, Don't I would talk have, about I would me have, like that. I would have fired you after a week. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, I would have they fired you. They should have fired me after yeah, a week. I, I, I would have. And I would have asked you to freaking go and ask money from your in-laws or from your family and live for the rest of your life, right? Mm. Owing them. What money. have I done to you? I've just no. I'm, I'm just, just thinking, fucking no, turned. No, no, no I, I didn't. I didn't turn. You've turned. I, I didn't turn. So, uh, <laughs> he's, turned. he's had something to get off his chest. <laughs> I could leave the room. Do you need a hug? Yeah, okay, mate. Like, you see I mean, that? Oh, right. you he metaphorically just punched me in the mouth. And now I'm uh, like Stephen. I don't want to hit you back. I want to <laughs> fucking smash you. I'm what just, I'm just trying to get Steve is, I think up they, uh, yeah. they, I think they know the line, and I think they also know that there is probably a lot of generosity. So if it comes to the point that I need to go and talk to someone, they think, "Oh, okay, this rarely happens. I could be in trouble." I don't do our one-on-ones. I did one-on-ones with the sales team when Kiri was on maternity leave, but now she's back. She does the one-on-ones. So I'm not there. I'll come in if I'm asked to come in if there's an issue, but I'm not the one sitting there. So I guess the other advantage I have is if I really can't do something, I'll go to one of the partners and say, I need you to do this. And I am. I'm the biggest softie in the world, but I will see what's right because I look at the team as a global. And if you're not performing or you're letting the team down, you're not just affecting me. I'm a bit like you. I'm not going to jump out of a plane either. If I jump out of a plane, I estimate... 
got about 28 staff who are going to suffer somehow if that plane goes down or I fall on the floor and die. Right. And, and you and I have talked about this before, the things we'll do and the things we won't, although you, you, you no. went in a plane, so you, you beat me more Mate, recently. Mate, the other reason, I'm, I'm not jumping out of a plane for purely selfish reasons. I think it's stupid and I will die. I'm not thinking about what anyone but else But I, I also think that, see, <laughs> I think What he's saying is that the parachute would not have the weight. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> 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 mother. Do you know the oh. weight ratio? He needs, he needs a parachute that yeah, is in good. the shuttle. Yeah, good, mate. Good. Good on you. Good on you, brother. Love you. You've so, turned. What are you doing? Yeah, so, right. so let me ask, right? So, so I'm going to ask you another question now, Stephen. You, you spoke you. about something earlier, right? Uh, we all have to go out of our comfort zone to improve, yes? Yes. So Hire a man. How, two marriages that have failed. What's going on with this one? How is it going? This one's going good. Yeah. So, so what, what, is it that, what is it that you've learned from the other two then? I'll go back one step further. You and Lisa aren't married? Are you, you're not married? We're yet? not married. Okay. No. But that's I mean, what's working when, when you live well I don't know <laughs> when you live with someone 24 7 I mean really it's, it's just is there a marriage you come in we might have been <laughs> out looking around at certain things on the weekend when we're in the city oh um, so you never know it's I mean I, you know what's this saying it might be best man <laughs> coming up bro third, third, third time lucky um but I don't get invited to many weddings. I love you. Can I? Yeah, but <laughs> you should know why you're not invited. Oh, I know why. <laughs> you've been. The I'm just trying to guilt people into it. You've been the bouncer. I've at been, a lot of I've been the I bouncer heard. at many. Yeah, so just count those as ones you've been to. <laughs> don't even want to come to your stinking wedding. Don't worry about. <laughs> so I'm a stinking <laughs> wedding now. No wonder Denola said he's not doing this anymore. I don't worry about well, it, mate. <laughs> let's just, like wait till we've got a wedding to talk about. But. The, <laughs> This, I'll go back a whole step further. Yeah. This, this kickstart that we had this year. Yes. And and I've changed a lot over the years. We spoke I mean, about that last week. Just a, you, yeah, I missed that one. But this kickstart, I probably learned more than anyone. And it was probably through bad behaviour and it might have caused a little bit of trouble at home. But I suddenly realised that I hear what someone has to say and I straight away go and tell them what my opinion is. I stop listening. Yeah. Part of that was because I was helping a lot of people as well. So I'd hear a salesperson say something and think, yeah, that, you're on the wrong track. Sorry, this is what you need to do. Yeah, It became in everything. And then, of course, we create our own children, but we create our own staff. So then I suddenly realised I watched and people are talking. People are shutting them down. What would you know? Oh, that's no idea. And then we're talking about other things and I'm thinking, I created these people. I've done this. Yeah, And it all comes back on me. And I started so, to... So what, what you're saying is that you were watching your staff and you were looking at your leadership. I was... what Exactly. Right. I, I watched my staff and then I watched what I was doing and thought, it's not their fault. It's all on me. Right, right. And then I watched some, another part of my team that did a whole exercise in a totally different way. And I right. thought, we've got the most positive people in the world and then we've got the most negative people in the world. And, and I created that. Right. It was something that made me realise that it's something that's done. Now, what's caused issues in my past marriages is possibly sarcasm. Give us an example of sarcasm, I mean, because I don't think that uh, Cameron understands it. He doesn't do shit like that. Can I ask one one question yeah, first yeah, yeah, before yeah, we yeah, lose yeah, the topic? Yeah, yeah. So last week I said, why is it that more people got kickstart this year than an... Un How long did you say you've known Thomas before? Oh, it's got to be... 13 to 15 years, I'd say now. Righto. And how many times have you heard him say your team's a reflection of you? Probably the whole 13 or 15. So what was different this year? Because this is something we were trying to nail down last week. Because probably for the first My time... My English was better. 
your English. Uh, it's Kim- it's Kim- not, bro. Kim- Kimberly Burke. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm honestly. I can't understand you. <laughs> I'm honestly interested because even TL after Kickstart. Said- because I believe, and I watch it with my own team. Because I, I take all my management team to Kickstart and to leadership. I watch it with them, and each year they get a little bit more. But this year, I actually, when I was watching. It was, and this is going to sound silly, but I was actually watching what my team was doing at the same time as I was doing the same thing as the team. But I was sort of sitting back watching them and as if I was sitting above them and just as an outsider watching how actions were happening and then suddenly thought, God, I've created this. And I was doing the same thing at the very minute. And then what of course, was it, what changed? So you haven't done that for 10 years or? No, he hasn't. Left, he, he hasn't left his buddy <laughs> and watched himself doing it. For a strong years. wind would blow him over. It's the, the, oh, the wind. No, 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 no. Do you know, Ayrton, Ayrton Senna one day was driving around Monaco and lap after lap, he would just break the, the lap record. And Ayrton Senna, after six laps, was breaking it. And they were asking him to slow down. And he didn't. He couldn't slow down. He, he kept on going. When he came back into the pit, they talked to him and he said, listen, guys, I wasn't driving anymore. I actually transcended my own body. I, I was outside my body and I was seeing the car. And if you watch a race in Monaco, if you ever have the time, go to YouTube and watch Senna Monaco and you'll see the amount of hand control and trembling and then using the, the, the right hand to change gears in, in the middle of corners. You would really understand that, you know, what he was saying is that he got to such a level that his body, his mind just lift off his body. And I think that was something that happened mm-hmm. to you. When you said that, immediately I thought of Senna. Because when you said, I was watching them doing this, and instead of me watching it for my own ego, for my own 2% conscious mind, for my own little neocortex, I actually managed to just lift off and see the bigger picture of what was happening. I've been able to do that for a little while. Okay. It's only sort of coming in the last. So you're year now so. Senna, Charlie, no, Angel, no, shit, I'm not. right? But I've been able to do. I just watched that. I mean, the girls have always wondered why I can listen to four conversations at the one time and be on the phone talking to someone, and I can come back to them and go, "Have you spoke to that owner?" And they go, "You're on the phone." I looked. Doesn't matter. I could watch, and then I'll go there. So I've always I've, I've developed that ability to right, be able to right. do that in an office. But I've noticed in the last year that I can do what I'm doing, but still. Watch, and I think that comes in because I realise if I can't improve my team and I'm going to see they just keep there talking to them and not see their reactions and not listen to what they're actually saying, then I can't do it. But I was, again, still picking a problem that was my yeah, problem. Yeah, so that's what I want to get. Yes, you saw your team from afar and, yes, you've levitated above earth and you're God and we love you, but what was the change this year out of 12 years that says it's my fault? Because I probably did something to someone that I realised the minute I did it said something to Lisa that I did the wrong thing. I straight away knew that I had done the wrong thing. You know, people say, why would you bring your... I had Lisa say to me, why would you bring your partner to something like this? And this was before Lisa was even working in the office. I've never said such a thing. No, it wasn't you. (laughs) It wasn't you because you bring your partner. You know, why why wouldn't you? I mean, we had a discussion on Monday, sorry, Tuesday in our, our leaders' training that said all of you should bring your partners into leadership. Because the trouble I see is you girls are growing. So it was Lisa that made you take ownership. I'm trying to work out why after 12 years you finally decided it was okay to say it's my fault. 
because oh, we've I been hearing I've said for it's twelve my fault years for a long time. I, I mean, I've I've always but said see it's my that fault, it's your but fault. It was the first time that I actually looked at what was happening, and I don't know the answer. I know that because I don't really think until I got home, did I realised. Did you look this year or was you forced to look because uh, somebody was pulling a long face uh, next to you for about a, a day? Um, I, it's no, worth I, investigating. I, I was I presenting, did. I saw it, man. I, yeah, but I knew that I knew. When did you I, stuff up? Oh, I stuffed up, yeah. Okay. Yeah, what, was, what was the stuff up? We didn't let someone talk. Someone gave their opinion and it was just their opinion and we're asking for advice and we're going... Oh, no, that's not... Oh, what would you know? You know, you've got no idea. But it was just someone's opinion. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And I think that's the thing that I realise we're, we're all too quick to do. You know, like... We're too quick to judge. To, we're quick to judge, but yeah. we're also quick to very quickly throw out our answer to you. What about listening to that answer and maybe... Right. It might not be my answer. It might not be the way I think. But yeah. what if it's actually right? And then you can go, you know what? I never thought of it like that. But we can do this. We could work that way and you find a different way to adapt to. All right, if you listen to it, then you might have to go, actually, no, that was a load of crap and you're totally wrong. But you decide which way to go before you jump in and go, no, sorry, you're wrong. And I, and I realise that. We've done that. And I've created people who do that because they mirror you. I think now back to the times where have I done that to a vendor? I've done that to a staff member. I've done that to my own family. How, how many ex-wives have I done that to you know but it's everyone's got their own opinion and and it's even to the stage that if you tell me how you're feeling today Thomas whether Cam and I actually think you know really you know whatever it doesn't matter that's how you're feeling the biggest problem we have in leadership and it's everywhere not just in our industry and not just in our network and probably back to marriage as well is a lack of ownership over it's my fault. So the reason I'm quizzing you so hard is because if we can unlock the key as to how all of a sudden after 10 years somebody goes, oh, fuck, it's my fault, when you've been told it's your fault for 10 years, we can probably help a lot more people. I think if you're a leader, accept that everything's your fault. If you, you, have you been a leader for the last 10 years? Maybe not your fault, but that you you've play been, a you've part. You've been involved yeah, in you it. You play a part in it. Like, yeah. you know, if someone fails, I believe as a leader... It, it might not be. I mean, look, the person could have been a loser and you picked the wrong person to start off with. Yeah. But It's your fault. But that's right. That's why I'm you saying it comes person. back. It's your fault. You picked the so, wrong so person. So it's a very good thing and, and I like to probably end this discussion on this because it's part of this week. But we totally so missed, what, just, what, so, just so you know, I have to say, yes, it is a great relationship I've got because we missed that. I jumped around and went to something else. No, we knew that. Great we relationship that. I've got. Learned so many things over the years yeah. and I've learned to listen. Yeah. I've learned to be there for someone and we just click. So now go to how you no, want no, to finish. No, no, no. I thought you were talking about your your We were, but your I partnership. jumped to some, I think else, that you know? Lisa is a beautiful person. There's nothing bad that I can say about Lisa. I think that it took you... It's a slight line. It's taken a lot yeah, of years Two relationships I mean, to, to go through some of those stuff. Some of us are genius in certain things and maybe not in genius in other things. You're genius in wealth building and maybe <laughs> now you're a genius in relationship building. But I, I think that with uh, Lisa, mate, you've got a freaking gold mine. No problem about I you. Agree I agree 100%. You're gonna be, yep. you're gonna be fine. One of the things I, I wanted to talk to you though, you talk about people. How do you explain people who've been working for a company for five years and then they're resigning not because they're going to something different they're resigning because they feel you have let them down. 
what is that in the relationship between the employee and the leader boys? Because we, we're talking about leadership, we're talking about all that stuff. What about, is there a something that after four or five years of leadership, we can now say it's their fault if they go? No. I think you need to look at the circumstance. If, if, if I haven't left for a better job or to move forward in life in a way that makes logical sense, mm-hmm. then no, it's not their fault. It's not, if the pain's great enough, the eventually... Fault? No, if, if the person's not leaving, if someone's worked for you for five years and they're getting paid 50 grand a year and they're not leaving you to take a 100 grand a year job, as a, an example, then there's a very fucking good chance they're leaving because of something to do with the leadership that they've had. But then you said it's not your fault. No, it's not the person's the, fault. Oh, the person's fault, okay. Because leaders always blame the person. Yeah. yeah. I, I think you need to look, though. If the person's a 100-pound gorilla... And they always wanted, 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 give me more commission, give me this, give me this, give me this, then they possibly had to go. Yeah, that's right. If they'll they'll make the organisation better. If you, if you, and if your leadership wasn't strong enough to yeah. control that person along the way and you gave them more calm, you gave them this, you gave them that, yeah. before you realise that person earned like four times the amount of money that the company earned and yeah. you had the wrong person, they had to go. Yeah. How but often does that last five years? Uh, and I'm asking well, this as yeah. a genuine question <laughs> um, because... Quite often. Really? Okay. Quite often because it takes a couple of years to become a 100-pound gorilla. Okay. I'm asking you, you because I don't know. Second or third year is when you become a 100-pound gorilla. Year no, 400, three. Uh, 400. 400, sorry. 400 I was one pounds. after three months, mate. Uh, yeah, and, and they, what do they do? They send you out to have your own office. <laughs> you know, like, oh, you go have your own office. We can't have you yeah, here. Well, he's the only guy in Barara. Yeah. <laughs> Surely from a leadership and skill standpoint, it shouldn't take three or four years to work out someone's a got the attributes of a 400-pound gorilla. Yeah, oh, no, we're getting to a different side. No, 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 but sometimes you it's just true. compromise because that person brings you $500,000, so you go, oh, but you know what, I'm going to have to put up with this. right? So that, that's the only thing. And you don't have a minimum team of four, so it's like they're the only person you're host- got. You're taking hostage. You're hostage. Yeah. So you first got to decide, if a 400-pound gor- gorilla, sometimes what if it's not? Go. Then I believe it comes back to the leader because were you close to that person? Did you have them in your home? Had you had them out? Had you been talking to them? Did, did you know their issues at home? I mean, if they left because they went to the next agent for a better deal, sometimes you can't afford to match the better deal. Yes. If they've but stuck it out with you for four or five years and then something's well, happened right. where the pain has gotten so great that they can't do it anymore and you're looking anywhere else other than the leadership, then that goes back to what I was trying to get out of you before. What after 10 years clicked for you to say, this is all my fucking doing? Because I think it's been drummed into us anyway that it's all our doing anyway. Some so people don't get it, bro. No, no, still no. Won't get but it. it didn't. I, I probably heard it 15 years ago that it was my fault if someone didn't make it. But I'd go, I'm a loser. Or, you know, Thomas there's is always an shit. excuse. He's I mean, smoking. I, I, don't, oh, I don't think I've ever said that. But, you know, I, I, I would always think, ah, oh, you know, maybe, you know, I think you're just ready to accept that next level. You know, and again, I watch my team, I watch my managers, and they're ready to step up. I you know, saw, I you, saw you that. You just see the change in them and think that person just got it. And you see someone else change, in a, and you see someone who might have been only for a year or two, then someone who's been for a few more years, and then they change. But suddenly the person who's been for a few more years goes, and they watch themselves and think, I'm about to get beaten by some newbies here. I'm going to study a bit harder. And then they step back up. Yeah. So... Can everyone see what you see, I see? You see, no. I mean, it took me a lot of years to see that. You just need to be ready and I guess you need to be open. What's the end result then for someone who hasn't got the click yet? 
just keep studying and keep following the system. But how many people do you burn in between? Unfortunately, that's as really, long as they have money. Life, you know, like you just as yeah, whatever you can afford. <laughs> Once they run out of money, know. maybe they'll change. <laughs> I take it very personally, and I might take it too personally in some senses. You know, I said before, if I'm going to employ someone. It's my job to do the absolute best by them that I can for their sake, my sake, the business's sake. So when people leave or when I have to let someone go, I take it to heart, TL or no, I very rarely blame the other person. I go through a whole heap of self-reflection on who, what and why, but others just disregard that completely and it's always the other person's fault. How many people's lives are you going to take into your hands and then discard or burn before that click happens? I think, sadly, that's just a fact of business. I don't think that any of the people we've employed are ever, ever totally innocent in any of these No, it's not about being totally innocent. So, you know, we can blame ourselves, and I'm the same as you. If I lose a person or let a person go, I, I beat myself up because where did I go wrong? But then what is the lesson I've learnt out of this person so I don't make it for the next person? Have I let some good people go over the years? Yeah. You can't change it. Like, the new young leaders that we've got now are going to go through people because they don't have the experience that necessarily you've got or we've no, got I'm to one be of able to do that. Young, handsome there's leaders. Not, there's mate, new. I, I'm not <laughs> handsome. I don't know where handsome came into that, but there, there's new leaders me. now that mm. are that are. You, you can't keep using the "I'm a young leader" trick anymore. You're one of our. You I'm know, three. I'm three, three years three, old. Three senior. You know, there's people who are six no, months I understand and a year what you're old. I don't no. use anything as an excuse. No, I was only I, joking. I, I, and if I do, I've got somebody that puts a, Which today a size seven is. foot up my ass. But you know, what do you reckon, TL? You're asking us, we're babbling on, but someone leaves you after four or five years who wasn't a hundred pound gorilla and wasn't didn't have all the hallmarks of someone that needed to leave the company. What I think it is the leader's fault. If someone is a good person and they are leaving because it's their time to go and self-actualize themselves into maybe different field or better that we can't really match, I understand. There's nothing we can do. But when they fire us, the way that they leave in their resignation is that they are firing us. What they're saying to us is that you don't even deserve me sitting down with you and find a compromise. In that respect, what they are telling us is that we have failed in our leadership. And if we are really failing them and we accept that maybe we failed them, then we can save everybody else who comes afterwards. If we keep on repeating the same story and say, no, that's his fault. <laughs> he was like this. He didn't want to be there after a certain amount of work. And last year he only brought this. Then we are only condemned to repeat this for another few cycles until the coin drops. And there's only two things that make the coin drop. Either it is the enough pain that makes us change or we've gone broke, therefore we're out of the game. I worry because I put someone who's been hearing the same thing for 10 years, day in and day out, and still not changing in the too hard basket. But then hearing you speak after 10 or 12 years, there is still hope that someone can get the click a decade on. Yeah, but there's been a lot of clicks on the way through. You've got to look at that. Is that person not changed in 10 years? Then don't waste your time. But if there's been a lot of little clicks along the way, then, yeah, it's worth investing. Because they will get there. And I agree with Stephen. I mean, the big click he's had at Kickstart is maybe one, but it's a huge click that has actually been waiting to happen, only waiting for little clicks to happen first. In what we do, one of the biggest clicks you can get is, hang on, my team are me, or I caused this sort of thing. You would have had all those little clicks anyway, but in some ways I'm sure you wish you had that click Oh, look, if 10 I could years have had ago that, I've been in real estate for 32 years. If I could have had that click 
28 years ago, I'd be so happy. But It's very it hard to rate journey. clicks, but the ownership click where yeah. fuck. No, I, I think do. that's a small click. Okay, well, really? I, I yeah. think it's a really small click. For example, I realise I have an anger issue. It's a very small click. I've been telling you that for 10 years and you've only <laughs> just clicked. You haven't even so. been around 10 years. <laughs> yeah, but I've heard, I've heard <laughs> stories. But, <laughs> but when I catch myself doing anger and now do something about it, right at that point in time, that's, that's a big, a big click. click. A lot of us are actually putting the big click as the awareness. Awareness is shit, mate. It's just a starting point. But you can't start without it. I understand it, but don't make it a big one. Because when you make it a big one, you're actually taking the responsibility out of it. That you're going, well, at least I was aware of it. Next time I'll try and change it. No, I like that's that. bullshit. <laughs> you, have, you have to really go to that next level. Awareness is when you see that the wall's coming. The big click is freaking push on the fucking brakes before you crash on the wall. Mm, yeah. That's how it works. Okay. It's a never-ending uh, questions. To, you know, to me, it's more the people that we lost to someone else. What did we do wrong? And, I mean, you know, every person that joins the Wisebury family asks, becomes a friends on Facebook, and you suddenly see this person and think, mm, that's not a Wisebury sign. What happened there? What did we do wrong? That's the questions I see when I see someone that's not in their family anymore and think, why are they not there? And they can't be no good because they've just got a big soul sign in front of a property and then they've got another one. What did we do wrong there? Sometimes I question it the other way. Like none of the guys that have left me have resigned from my office, are still in real estate or went to another real estate job. So I sit there and go, fuck, I made life that hard for them that they've given up on the industry that, you know, in one kid's sense, left school early to do his real estate license. Now he's studying to be a personal trainer. How fucking hard did I make real estate for him? Do you know in 28 years, oh sorry, 32 years, I've only got three people that are actually in real estate that used to work for me? Yeah, I've hired one person there working for another agency. Good luck to that other agency, and, and, but and, all the quitters. And I must say the one that, that's actually the two that do the best is because in those days I wasn't prepared to give flexibility and I didn't understand that their generation wanted flexibility. And it, now I'm sure they'd go, if they weren't doing so well because they're actually good guys, they're nice people, I still speak to them they would probably come back. Yep. But I had to evolve. It wasn't them, it was me that was the yep. problem. But at the time, I was like, nope, you do this, you do that, that's how we do it, we don't change. Now, you know, I'm sure they'd be fitting yep. into our team so well. Oh, well, boys, I think we're going to have to have him back. I think he's actually he good. He did pretty bloody well, mate. I didn't mind that. He had turned up with he not, kept me not quiet too for about bad of a wine. <laughs> it's only not the wine. Too, not too bad of a wine. I mean, I always thought I had a face for radio anyway or podcasts. And, and, so and, and I think that his input's not bad. No, it wasn't bad. No, I, I personally would have to say, mate, your leadership has grown. So don't, don't put yourself down. But, yes, when you are working around a pool of women, you are going out of comfort zone every fucking damn day. We are not born with the Shit's way... Shit's not easy, bro. <laughs> you call that shit easy. I fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're good girls. So right. I appreciate your input. I, I think that it was very, very nice to have you around. We will have you back. Oh, thank okay? you. Because I, I think that there's more questions for you. Thanks, boys, for today. Uh, well done. No, thank I you. I think it was fantastic. Good uh, chat. And thank God Chris didn't make it because we had Stephen. And some decent <laughs> I'm a bit upset we didn't drink all the shot. No, that was pretty but good. That's all right, that mate. That's our like podcast, man. We're a, bit, we're a bit slow today, mate. <laughs> yeah, you've slowed us down. Next time, mate. Yeah, thanks, boys. Hey, and let's go. Thanks, right. boys. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah. Bye. Bye.